Hey, thanks for checking out episode 27 of the Rochefina Project with co-host Liam Amies. If you enjoyed this episode, then give it a share on social media, like, subscribe, and drop a review, and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at TRTPpod. Today's guest is a rapper, producer, and aspiring urban planner. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Denitric Powers. was it since you last saw each other that's a good question when uh, did we like how that would be over five years ago wouldn't it six yeah six almost years? almost six i was there may through june uh, 2015 yeah yeah and i've been in brighton for three years now yeah it must be like six years i think almost six five and a half five and a half yeah, I round it. I round it up to six, six years, and how, look how much we've grown and changed in that time. <laughs> so, do you guys meet, uh, meet through the warehouse then? Yeah. Why don't? How about you just descri- the famous you ex- explain how we met each other? Yeah. So uh, me and Akil, aka Domatic, um, we flew out to London. Um, we were we was in we were in London two days before we met Liam. Um, we did a couple of Airbnbs, um, both in both in. I, I, I don't even remember the, the area quite well, but it, it, it was north of the main city, um, but not quite yeah. as now. Um, we stayed at two air two hostels, at two different hostels, completely opposite of each other. One, a lot but more expensive. The other, full of rats. But I met some cool people there. <laughs> um, and we, uh, you know, just looking for a cheap place to stay, came across. It was between the warehouse where Liam was and this, like, random houseboat. Houseboat? Where? Wow. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that sounds nice. I'm glad you chose that. We wouldn't even but be having this conversation if you'd be on the podcast <laughs> with some houseboat guy right now. Yeah, we went out there. Um, we got there pretty late on the first night. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was tough finding it at first because it's a bunch of warehouses. We didn't know exactly where we were. Um, they wanted to be in cool. And then we did a bonfire that first night. In that yeah, crowd. I remember coming to find you guys because – you walked, and everyone always used to do it. Walk the wrong way around the industrial estate. Yeah, I come to find you guys. It was a good. That yeah, was a good night to arrive. You know, uh, and we made friends straight away. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I was quite drunk when I first come to find you, if I remember correctly. <laughs> were were yeah. you there when when everyone got kicked out? Um, no, I wasn't there when everyone got kicked out. Um, I think. I think we arrived. I want to say your your landlord, whoever he was, had just disappeared like two weeks before we arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I remember one time while we were there. Um, I think I was coming out of the shower, and he randomly showed up and was like, walking <laughs> around. Well, like, with no, he didn't even own the building anymore. He just thought he did, man. Like, yeah, he had to change all the locks. And he turns. Did you speak to him then? He didn't speak. He was in there for like forty-five seconds, 
At least that's how long I've seen him. You know, he was pointing at things. I thought he – remember, we thought he was going to take the dishwasher, like try, try to take some of the uh, appliances. Yeah. He was pointing at stuff with another guy, and then they just walked out and left. Yeah. Oh, he was a crazy guy, man. He's a small little guy, but he put the ter- terror into me. Seemed like he could headbutt you at any moment. <laughs> I think I think he he obviously like he was a crack. He smoked crack, you know. Mm-hmm. And people who smoke cracks, they're pretty touchy people, man. They're, uh, um, they're not the easiest people to negotiate with. <laughs> uh, no. So we just changed the locks, locked him out. And you stayed a second time, if I remember correctly. You, I remember you went to Europe around Europe for a few, few weeks or something, and then you came back again. So it would yeah. be nice to see you the second time. Yeah, yeah. So we stayed there for about, I want to say about four, five days the first round. Mm-hmm. We left and went to Amsterdam. You went to yeah. Amsterdam and then went to Paris, Barcelona, and then came back and stayed at final week. Oh, that's a nice little trip. Well, where was your favorite place? Do you have a favorite place? Uh, from your whole travels where you stayed or yeah. in Europe? I would say... You'd say mine, or otherwise I'm going to kick you out. In the <laughs> <Say mine. laughs> well, London, oh, London was my favorite place throughout the entire... Thank you. Yeah, London was my favorite place. You know, I love the city. Like, I really love New York City, and after I graduated uh, college the first time, I thought I was going to move to New York. And so that, that was actually my plan after I graduated was to move to New York, get into fashion, you know, do retail merchandising. Um, but, you know, I was going through some shit during that time. Didn't really know exactly what it was that I wanted to do. So I was like, fuck it. New York is not far enough for me. And my uncle, um, Kirk Washington Jr., he always used to talk about stories when he lived in Manchester for a while. Cool. Um, Right about, right about the same age I was when I, when I was out there, when like his early 20s. Um, yeah. Lived out there for a while teaching. Um, he was in theater during that time. So he taught, he taught theater, theater arts. Awesome. And so like he inspired me. I was like, fuck it. I'm going, I'm going to Europe. Like that's, that's New York ain't far enough. Let's just go. Um, I asked him to come, you know, randomly. He, and he didn't think that I was, that I was serious. I was like, yo, if I get this ticket, will you come? And he was like, yeah. And like three weeks later, I bought the tickets. And he was like, oh, shit, this is real. <laughs> yeah. I ain't joking. Was like, yeah, this, is, this is real. This is real. And, you know, I'm glad he came. Uh, you know, he's a really good friend of mine. You know, I love his family. His mom definitely supported us while we were out there because we was definitely broke. Like, I spent all my money on the tickets. Like, I had two. Wow. I had $200. Going out there, I had two hundred dollars. <laughs> How long was the whole trip for? Yeah, I had two hundred dollars the whole trip, like that, and, I, and I was prepared. Like even if he didn't come, I was prepared to be out there with only two hundred dollars. I was convinced I was going to make it. What was the time frame? Yeah. Was this like a couple of months or uh, five weeks? Five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, it's not still crazy, still... but you know when you when you think about not having a job at all and yeah, food and and, and London at that time bad, isn't it? Yeah. was expensive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was, man. I The second time you stayed, I remember, like, everyone was kind of broke. And our Wi-Fi had gone. We, like, had to keep going to the pub around the corner to use the Wi-Fi and oh, share, no. like, we have, like, a pint each to make it last, like, the whole yeah. day just so we could 
had essays to write and shit as well. Yeah, we, we were broke then as well. London's fucking expensive as, as, as hell though, man. It's like, that's the one thing I don't miss about it. Everything, everything there is, is overpriced. I mean, I wish I was out there now because now it's not as, as expensive as it was. Yeah. Of, you know, ever since the, the Brexit thing, like the, yeah, what well, it's cheaper now? Do you think? Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot closer to the U.S. dollar. It's really oh, cool. Ah, I, I didn't know that. I, I wasn't so paying attention to the exchange rates. Actually, it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for us, yeah. I mean, when we were yeah. out there. <laughs> for us. Yeah. On that front. <laughs> it was like two pounds for every, no, was it It was like $2, two US dollars for every pound or something like that. I don't know, two pounds for every US dollar. It, it was like double the the value the pound was. The pound was ridiculous. Actually, it might have been like two and a half dollars. Yeah, so it would have been double the amount of dollars for the pound if the pound was worth yeah. more, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't pay attention, but yeah, that's interesting that you noticed that. I guess it's because your money started being worth more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it was worth more, and you know, in the EU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you uh, you're trying to pursue music at the moment. What was like your musical influences growing up? Um, I think my earliest influences. Was definitely like old school R and B, the Marvin Gaye, um, Michael Jackson, of course. Um, who else? Al Green. Al Green. I love Al Green. Um, Eric Badu. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Tupac, of course. Tupac. Pretty much anything that my mom was listening to, and she listened to a lot of R and B. And we really, I didn't really listen to much rap growing up. I didn't really just start listening to rap until maybe like eighth grade. How old are you in eighth grade? Just because that's the same as you right now. Twelve. Eighth grade, I was thirteen, going on fourteen. Okay. Uh, that's when I started getting into rap as well. I think that's a, a time in many boys' lives <laughs> where this start liking uh, that kind of music. Well, you know, eighth grade was an interesting period for music for me because that was also when I started getting into, you know, other music that I, my mom didn't listen to. So like, that was when I, I was living with my uh, cousin, um, very interesting guy. He, and he's always been really, I, I've always admired him because he was always different from the rest of my family. Like, I remember my earliest memories of him was, like, he dyed his hair, like, bright yellow when I was <laughs> He's a few years older than me. He dyed his hair bright yellow. He had, he dyed he like cut the middle of his hair out. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen the Fresh Prince? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the Uncle Phil, like he didn't have he cut oh, shaved really? all his <laughs> what? Oh my days. <laughs> that was the kind of guy he was, and because of that, like I, I always like admired him. Like man, this guy is different. Um, but I was living with him during eighth grade, and that was the first time I got exposed to Pink Floyd. Oh yeah! Oh, cool, man. Pink Floyd is one of my favorite, my favorite bands. Really, I've never got into them. I Maybe feel not. terrible for it as well. But I've never properly listened to them. What? Where should I start? Where should one start? With Pink Floyd. Yes. Uh, dark, dark Side of the Moon. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I have kind. Of, I've definitely heard that once. Like, I think when we took Magic Mushrooms when we were a kid, we're like, oh, let's put Dark Side of the Moon on. So I can't remember much of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to give it another go. 
I'm sure that's an experience in the dark. You know, I'm pretty sure they did a lot of mushrooms themselves. Probably. Yeah, probably. Was music your first creative outlet or did you have other creative outlets before that? You know, as a kid, I, whatever I, so I wanted to uh, write movies early on as a kid. So one of my favorite things to do was to write stories and then create like little flip books, you know, the little oh, stick like man animation. that everybody draws and you flip yeah. the page. Oh, cool. That's like, that was one of my favorite things to do as a, as a kid early on was to write stories and to draw them little, them little flip book characters. Um, you know, supposedly, you know, all the adults in my family told me that I was a really good storyteller as a kid. And I, and I used to tell the most extravagant stories. I don't remember any of them. Um, but I'd say probably around like fourth, fifth grade, I started to get into drawing as well. Um, I was a fantastic drawer for, I thought anyways, <laughs> um, I, I was a fantastic drawer, you know, got, I remember this painting that I did around that time that's still like ingrained in my mind. Um, I don't know where that today, but I thought I was Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> uh, do you still, do you still draw and paint now? I, yeah, I just recently got into it probably the last, over the last like three years. Started getting more, get more into it. Um, but then, like, middle school, I just, I, I, what was going on with me in middle school? You know, just, like, family, you know, family drama, and, and I got distracted, and, you know, uh, just, I would say that's probably, like, the time where, like, I started turning away from art was in middle school. But when I was living with that same cousin I was just uh, telling you about, he had this video game where you could make beats on. Oh, I, oh, I it's cool. the name of the game, but you can make beats, and it would take like samples from a bunch of you know popular artists. And I remember there was this one package that was from Snoop Dogg. It was like a Snoop Dogg package. So it was like a bunch yeah. of sounds that Snoop, you know that that not that Snoop songs used to have. And I mean, I made this one beat, and it was the most amazing beat <laughs> in the world to me. Like I was like, oh, I love this. Like. I could do this, but I never really like thought that I could do it. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm good at this. But that's also who I was as a kid. Like I just picked things up and I thought that I was just amazing at it. Like I had a lot of confidence as a kid. Um, and then I was, I didn't, I didn't get into music seriously until, or more seriously until, until college. I had bought a new laptop from this random Indian guy it was, it was an older Indian guy. He was a banker. He had like two, three laptops. Why? I don't know, <laughs> yes, but he was selling a couple of them. <laughs> I bought one and it had Logic on there. Oh. Uh, it had Logic and it had uh, the Adobe software as well. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, if I have it, I'm going to learn how to use it. And my, my, my really good friend, Ashley, uh, who was in my building, she gave me her keyboard. Uh, she went to mu- music school. Um, she does film now, so she's a director now. But you know, she went to music school for sound engineering, hmm. and gave me her old keyboard. And ever since then, like that's when I started like making music, and that's when it was fun. Like I was just in in the room making beats, and I remember my friends just tell me like, "Man, this is dope!" But you got like four or five songs in this one song. Like, why don't you you know break this up? Separate them. Yeah, that's yeah. like how my mind worked. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna change the beat here, change the beat there." <laughs> You know, he, he would come over and, you know, we'd just be in the room smoking and I was definitely not supposed to be smoking in my room, in my apartment building, but <laughs> I think I'm my landlord. 
She knew, but she knew. <laughs> <laughs> she well. Um, so we just be in there, and I was like, man, hop on. I, I told the kid, I'm like, man, just hop on, man. Make a beat. Like, let's, you know, we just having fun. And then he made a beat, and I was like, oh, that shit's dope. And ever since then, we both would just he'd take a turn, hopping on making a beat, and I make the beat. And I, I feel like our, our sounds mixed really well together. Like mixed really well. And that's how me and him started making music together. And at first, it at first it was literally just fun, but let's make some beats. Um, and then I got a microphone. And then it was like, well, now we finna rap. And I actually didn't want I didn't want to rap. Um, I I had I didn't want to rap. It's like the couple of rappers that I was around, they was like, "Man, I don't know how to rap on this," and that kind of frustrated me. I was like, "What the, what the fuck you mean on a rapper? Like, this is me rap." Like, <laughs> um, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm, I'm gonna just rapping my own music," and that's that's how I started rapping. I was like, "I'm gonna just rapping my own beats." Ah, oh, that's interesting. So, what rappers were you in in or like hip hop artists more generally? Were you inspired by when you first like started to make the music on your computer? So. I would say Kanye was probably my first inspiration for production. Like I was, I was in love with production when it came to music. Like I like the words too, but like production was my thing. I didn't really care about what they were saying early on. Um, so like his production was like my first inspiration, but I really liked, you know, I like, I really liked Ludacris as a kid. I remember my grandma bought me his CD for, you know, I think for like my fourth birthday. Uh, and I and I went to his concert. It was it was Ludacris and Ja Rule. It was a concert. Oh, cool! Oh, nice. For, for my eleventh birthday. Oh, wow! <laughs> and this girl Anastasia. We were the only two people. Her mom actually took us to the concert, and we were the only kids in there. And I could have swore there was a couple, like a couple, few seats down from us that was having sex. Fuck you know. I'm looking like, like, should I really be here right now when everybody's smoking? And I'm like, oh shit, this is. This is uh, I'd I take that as an insult as a musician. If someone came to my gig and was so the music wasn't, they were like, oh, let's just let's have sex. Can't be bothered to listen to to watch it. Rap, I'd be offended. I, I really like concerts, but I do not like rap concerts. At least, at least I haven't been to a rap concert yet that I've truly enjoyed. Because, really? oh, how do they you know, differ like, from other concerts then? I just I haven't been to one yet. I'm, I'm hoping that'll change one of these days. But I also haven't been to, to too many as well. But I like the uh, I like the musical in- instrumentation at concerts. So the best concert that I ever I've ever been to was Sade. Sade. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah. That Sade concert was hands down the best concert that I've ever seen in my life. Her band killed it. She killed it. She looked amazing at her old age. Like it was, it was, it was just amazing. And ever since then, like Sade was, like, was also one of my favorite, my musical inspirations. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, do you listen to? Is it? I wrote this down. Del the Funky Homo Sapien. No, I haven't listened to him. Oh, okay. I just thought that was, that's the most similar person I've heard to your like style of music. I don't know if it's your voice or whether it's actually. The do you know what? Or, I, see, I see what you say there. Yeah, actually. I never thought of that before. Yeah, your voice is kind of similar. And I have played. I did. Do you know what? Uh, I have. I played you one of his songs at the warehouse once, actually, as well. 
It's one uh, one of the. It's called Rock the House. It's fucking amazing. And I don't know that one actually. The gorillas, he, it's from the Gorillas' the, yeah, first the, album. A, a gorilla's um, big he, in. Um, oh, yeah. He did yeah, rap for Clint Eastwood. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's from that same album, and yeah, Rock the House. It's incredible. The rhyming is so clever in it. Okay, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Maybe your choice of words in the song as well, because you're quite um, uh, lyrically gifted, I'd say. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love it. your music's great, man. Are you? Have you got any projects in the works at, at the moment or uh, plans? Um, uh, I, I want to. I want to. I haven't found quite found inspiration yet. I've been listening to a lot more music than like lately. I've been feeling music. I've been feeling inspired, but I haven't quite I'm not at that point where I'm like, okay, I know the direction that I'm going. Um, which you know, some some people say you don't need a direction. You know, just just hop into it. But you know, I'm, I'm a, my my my. I need to buy logic all over again because the kind that I have is jailbroken. So it's like uh, I, that's what I've got to logic jailbroken. Times that it's, it's it's starting not to work properly. I need a I need a new keyboard. Like it's just so because of that, I'm just like man, I, I just haven't touched it. Um, but this second round, I, I want to focus more on the production. Like like rapping is cool, but I want to I, I want to experiment more. Like you know like, like story. Do you ever play live? Have I ever played live? Do you ever play live? No, no, no. I haven't played live. A couple of summers ago. But uh, I bought a, a trumpet. Oh, nice! I started learning the trumpet because I want—I wanted to. I still want to like incorporate that into my music as well, like incorporate more horn. Cool. But I want live music on top of the electronic music. Awesome. No, she done much with um, turntables at all. No, no, no. I don't have any turntables. I'm not that. I'm not a DJ. I don't know. It's, it's 2020, Ross. No one uses turntables. <laughs> I just thought that'd be quite a cool way to build beats. We've got of. laptops now. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I associate turntable use with like, like yeah. noughties rock rock bands like. Oh, you Lincoln, mean like new metal, like Lincoln Park? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Biscuit, Incubus, like every rock band had to have a turntable in it for yeah, some right. reason. Slipknot had a turntable as well. Yeah, see, uh, yeah. I, was... I thought when you said that you were going to think like the old gramophones, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. No, you know, I like hanging out. I, I do like hanging out with uh, musicians. Like, I, you know, there's a friend here who plays the drum. You know, he's, he's super dope at it. Um, but every once in a while, you know, I used to try to like just try to hang out at a session with him. And after hanging out with, I feel like once I'm around a musician, I don't play no instruments. Like, so I'm everything just by ear and by my imagination. But I do think that it's important to understand like just the concept of how instruments work and how they're played. I think that brings another level to the production. Like, so I just be around him and just seeing watching them play and hearing how they play and hearing how they you know transition between notes and riffs whatever you want to call it like that was inspiration in itself and i felt like i could all every time i was around them i just go back and i'd make something even better ah that's amazing have you heard of the drummer uh, tony royster jr 
no 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 i no. oh, you should check him out yeah he's a sick drummer um so where are we gonna go next uh have you got any questions liam I've got a list of things. Well, I've just wrote down a list of what... Uh, list of words. Things, things. <laughs> politics, I know I want to talk about... Politics, politics music. If you could tip music off now, maybe. <laughs> well, we could always go back to it. I won't tick it off. Uh, mental health, urbanism, politics, family, music. I would like to know, just because I don't have many Americans, uh, not American friends at all, and you're one of the few. And I found the whole Trump uh, presidency absolutely insane. And I'm like, it's such a the whole thing's like a circus. And I read up it, read about it all the time, as if it's like some kind of dystopian literature or something. And like, what is it? What is it like having? It, what was it like that always the Capitol riots? What was it like having Trump as your president? Did it make you feel ashamed? Also, has your has your day to day life changed since Biden became president? Uh, so, my first my first reaction is that um, America is a circus itself. Like everything <laughs> is performance. Like, you know, my uncle <laughs> always say he's always uses term like he always tell me like it's just theater. Like it's it's, it's just theater, P. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And I finally understood like everybody's just performing and acting and playing some type of role. Um, which bothers me sometimes, but I get it now. You know, now you're not, now that I understand, I can have fun with it. But you know, Trump, I, my life, my life, my day to day life did not change before or after Trump. Personally, like it, it didn't change. Um, it it changes the, it changes how people feel around me. And you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an empath, so like, I feel other people. Like in at extreme level sometimes where I can tell everybody else is sad and disheartened, um, and there's a lot more people that are around me that that are, are depressed. You know, I mean, I, I've been depressed myself, but like me recognizing other people too, like even makes me de- even makes me depressed sometimes. Um, but as far as like just day to day, no, it hasn't changed as much. I didn't feel ashamed about having him as my president because, I mean, if, if then I'd just be ashamed to be American, you know, altogether. Yeah. Donald Trump as our president didn't change uh, my perspective on what on what America is, and Joe and Joe Biden being the president doesn't change my perspective on what America is or what America, you know, could be like. I, you know, when 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 Donald Trump would you know first announced his election, I was like, oh man, and it was. And when it got down to him and Hillary Clinton, I was like, "Yeah, this guy's gonna win." And I was really he fought. I was, and nobody was nobody thought he was gonna win. Like nobody, no, this is. I'm like, no, he knows he's going to win. Like, like he, he's gonna win. And the reason that I thought he was gonna win was because one, like there were so many poor um, white. There's so many. There are so many poor white Americans that we don't see on in the media or on TV that you know you all may not be exposed to but there's a lot of poor white americans who needed a voice and donald trump gave them that voice they're all they're all they're all angry they're all sad they hate the, they hate their lives you know so they need somebody else they need somebody to blame and so they're going to blame the next the black or brown person that they see you know and he used that as fuel you know for his campaign and 
and on top of that, like I, you know, there's still a lot of just racism that happens in America. Um, and he just leached onto that and used it. He leveraged it for his campaign, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think by, by him being the, by him being president, it, he, it, it took the mask off of America. Like this is like he, this is truly what America is, and you know Joe Biden might not say that's what America is, but I don't believe Joe Biden either. You know, so, <laughs> like show, show me, you know, show show me, you know, these people have to show me now. Otherwise, I don't believe anything that they say on TV. Yeah, fair play. What's it like where where you live? Is there like is there? Are there Trump supporters around? Um, is there any kind of political divide? Or, is, is, uh, is it Minnesota you live in? Is that red state or blue state? Um, Minnesota is a blue state because the largest population. So we're a blue state because where I live in Minneapolis, so the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the surrounding area, that's where that, that's the more most liberal part of the state. And it's also the largest population in the state. Yeah. So because of that, we, as long as we vote blue down here, the rest of the state will be blue. But if you break it down, uh, if, you know, if you disaggregate that data, then you'll see that there's still a lot of racism in greater Minnesota. Like the rest of the state is predominantly red. There's a couple blue spots here and there, but I would say predominantly geographically, there are states red, but, you know, most of the liberal forward thinking you know, young people of color live in the Twin Cities. And so that makes our state blue. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it does seem that uh, more cities are more left wing and then like more countryside is right wing. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I mean, there are Trump supporters. You know, Minnesota is notorious. Um, we, have, we have this saying in Minnesota called, it's called Minnesota Nice. That's what they call it, Minnesota Nice. And Minnesota nice is this passive aggressive attitude. Of, I'm going to smile in your face, but deep down, I hate you. I won't ever say that. I, hate you. <laughs> I won't ever say that. I hate you, but I'm, but I'm going to, but deep down, that's how I feel, but I'm going to just smile because I don't want to cause any conflict. And that, that's Minnesota nice. It's very non-conflict, passive aggressive, but there's still a lot of racism that is, that happens in Minnesota. You know, I think Minnesota is the Minnesota is like what racism looks like in the future. Being that it hasn't gone away, but it's very hard to spot because it's not as explicit as it used to be. Was there much you noticed that was different, like in London or in in Europe, or like politically, socially, like compared. To, to compared to how it is in America and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, I say the first. I mean, the first thing that I that I noticed from from my experience when I was in in London specifically was just how not only like how how diverse the city was, but how 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 more. People were a lot more friendly there than they are here in the, in the states. Like, like people like like on multiple occasions of being out there, people would, be, would say would, would see that we were lost and, and would offer to help us get to where we were going. 
or just have conversation, you know, with us. Where, you know, my experience here, yeah, especially in Minnesota, like there's not very many white people that, that are just gonna have a random conversation with you. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, in, in the Minnesota, they'll, they'll look at you and they'll do like a little smile, but it's like, like I don't wanna like, <laughs> you know, and, and, that happens, and that happens often, you know. Um, I would say that, I mean, that was the first thing. I mean, just being in a, just, I, I ain't feel stuck anymore, first of all, when I went to, when, when I left, you know, I didn't feel stuck. And just seeing a different part of the world just showed me, like, oh, okay, I'm not stuck here in Minnesota. And I had did some traveling in the States, but, you know, for me, it was, like, I have no desire to live anywhere else in the U.S. because I feel like I've seen it. I've seen it all, like, to be honest, like I really have seen almost it, it all, and it, and that's a broad general statement. But if I really want something different, I'm gonna move out of the country, and I and I and I plan on it. Like I would definitely move move to Europe. Uh, you know, me and my lady right now. You know, we want to move to uh, we want to move to Europe. You know, she wants to go to Germany. I ain't never been in Germany. <laughs> I've been to Germany. Berlin, Berlin's incredible. I've been to that's the, I've been there. Berlin. I think you like Berlin. I go it's, like, I, it's like North London, but like mm-hmm. German. It's like North London, <laughs> more German people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where um, where did you see the differences most in Europe? Like which cities, or is it just everywhere? I'd say primarily London. Um, I say honestly, probably London. You know, Paris and. Barcelona, Paris especially. I got. I guess Paris is not. It, Paris is pretty racist, in my opinion. Like, I don't know. Okay. Like Paris. Is that a feeling you got from people? You yeah, see? it's in front of people. Okay. Also, they were when we lived in the warehouse. Some Parisians moved in next door, and they were fucking yeah. horrible. Like been I remember, so the, <laughs> remember them guys, man, and they came in like questioning. They had a lot of a lot of ego. Oh, really? Yeah, but apparently even the French hate hate Par- Parisians. Right. <laughs> I, I did meet a couple of people randomly who weren't from Paris. They like lived outside, like the countryside, and they they were only in Paris for work. Um, but they were telling me like, oh yeah, you got to come down and visit. You know, I, for, I forgot what cities it was. It started with Amherst or something like that. But and they were telling me to get out get outside of Paris, like. To really have the French experience, you know, because it was it was very snobby. You know, people they were rude. Um, you can definitely tell, like there was a very strong distinction between poor and rich people in Paris. Um, we hate the French as British people. <laughs> Barcelona had. I think, a lot. I think I can speak for everyone. We just we despise them. So I'm glad you're on board with that. I was out to like a couple of arguments while I was out there, just because of how they communicate. Like they just be yelling at me, and I'm like, I don't know if you know who I am. Like you can't just yell at me. Like that's not. We don't do that where I'm from. Like you can't just yell at me. Mm-hmm. I got into a couple of like short arguments. And luckily, one of the arguments, like, like this guy, he came, he popped up, and he spoke English, so he was trying to, you know, explain to me. And it all started because 
here I'm used to like pick, you know, you pick up the fruit, you look at it, make sure it's not all, ain't got no bugs on it or too bruised up. So that's what I was doing. And the store owner came out and was just screaming at me, like, and tried to make me buy it. I'm not buying <laughs> this fruit. <laughs> you touch, you touch the apple, you yeah, got it. You owe me money now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to just take it in and walking off. I was, I'm not, I'm not paying for this, but I'm, I'll take it sure. Doesn't surprise me, bloody French. <laughs> how they, how they communicate? You know, it's like I didn't have, and then like once they found out that that, that, that we were American too, it was. You know. Whereas in, in the UK, like nobody like assumed that we were American. Surprise, which that was that surprised me. Yeah, I guess because uh, especially in London, it's so diverse. Like anyone can be from anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Until you speak, to, until you actually ask someone. So you t- it's here you hear the accent, isn't it? Yeah, so many. Well, London's full of full of accents. I say in Barcelona, like I had a system list. People, so I've I've heard that Barcelona is a pretty racist place, or Spain in general is. Um, yeah, I haven't heard this. I mean, that's what I hear. I hear Barcelona's not as extreme as like Madrid or you know other parts of Spain, but <laughs> the locals weren't very friendly. Like they weren't friendly. I mean, some of the people that we met who weren't from there, you know, they were people that weren't locals or, you know, who were also, you know, who immigrated there or had only been there short, you know, they were friendly. But I, I, I just wanted to visit Barcelona. I did, I did oh. Barcelona just because of the weather. Did you see any of the, um, the, the Gaudi buildings? The Gaudi, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, they're be- they, I've seen photographs, they look beautiful. Did you oh, see yeah. any of those? You see the yeah, fucking massive uh, church one. So we did go see uh, Gaudi. His work while we were there, and that was super dope. You know, we only went to Barcelona because actually Liam was one of the people that told us like, "Yeah, go to Barcelona." We remember we were gonna, we were gonna go to Milan. Oh, uh, did I tell you to go to Barcelona? <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. even been there myself. I, I think because the girlfriend I had at the time told me that it was good, and I thought. I, and yeah, you have to go to Milan. also their football team football team's good and I knew that they'd have some good architecture yeah was was <laughs> and was that a good advice or bad advice that I gave do you wish you went to Milan instead it was it was good advice yeah. but also when we were in Paris some other people had told us to go to Barcelona too um at the hostel that we were at because basically they were telling me that like Milan is just like it's like all business it's not very it's not for like younger people that they were telling. They're like, it's, it's like kind of corporate, you know, so this is all business finance, you know, in Milan, you know, and it's, and it's more expensive. So they're cool. Yeah. We'll go to Barcelona. It was cheaper to take the bus there. What was that one place that you kept, you visited and you, you kept raving about it? It was somewhere in that. Probably Bulgaria. Was it Bulgaria? It was Bulgaria Hungary, one of the two. It was. Yeah, no, Bulgaria, because I stayed there for six months that summer. Uh, not six months, six weeks. Six, six weeks. Months. That six months, one this. summer. That doesn't add up, does it? <laughs> Ross, you're going to have to delete that. My maths are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was six weeks in Bulgaria. Uh, but I've been there a lot, though. It's a beautiful part of the world. And it's, it's good because it's cheap. Like you were saying earlier, that your dollars go good and in the uk now but like money out there you can live if you go there on holiday you're basically like a millionaire 
So you okay. take you take take two hundred dollars out there. You can you can eat like a king. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, that, that's on one of my places to visit. Beers are like forty p, man. Like, so that's how I, that's how I always find a holiday destination based on the price of alcohol. Really, important. Mm. So you sent Russ a, a couple of songs. I was thinking we could speak about them. Yeah, I really like them. I know one. One was the title of BLK. It sounds like dumb, dumb little kid. <laughs> There's another one that called Mindset, and then there was a, that one was just it was just called Snappy. Snappy. That yeah, that was my yeah. favorite. What's well, the song about? How did you? What inspired you to make it? Tell us about the song. Which one? <laughs> All of them. Mindset. <laughs> mindset. So mindset was a song that I, I had made on a on a on a. I made that song in one night, probably within like an hour, with my little my little brother. To my little brother, you know, the reason I sent so mindset and dumb little kid are both songs with my little brother. Oh, so that's awesome. the first and I think he is the dopest writer that I've ever met. Wow. How little is he? Uh, he just turned twenty-one. 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 Yeah, that's as well. He doesn't know he's been born yet. That's, that's, <laughs> he's still a child. Yeah, yeah, he turned twenty one last month, but you know, like he's he's my favorite writer, like awesome. favorite writer. Um, and that was that song. I mean, it, it was a, it was a fun song. You know, it was a song that is just about like changing your mindset. Um, you know, it was about let me see. It was something of the lyrics. It's been a while. Um, I can never remember my own lyrics. <laughs> This is terrible. Yeah, but it really is about you know changing your mind, having a different mindset than what is than everybody, and then what's around you. You know, like challenging and questioning the thing. And there's a couple lines in there that after I wrote them, I was like, oh, something like kids. You know, um, so that's what you know. That's what that was about. Dumb little kid was that was you know that that was a song that was started by my little brother. Um, I made the beat and I told him like. Cause I, I always try to like get him, get him to rap. Like he's, you know, he, he writes more poetry and like more stories. Um, but he, he's a dope rapper too. Um, but he's one of those writers where I, and I, I can't blame him. Like he's very intentional with the words that he uses. So it takes him a long time sometimes to like write something. And so like I'll be pushing him like, man, just like, please just, just write something. Like who cares? Like <laughs> you're thinking too much uh, about that fun. Um, that's also me up trying to push myself like, okay, Denise, stop being so critical and just write and have fun. Um, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to go, but like you can either, I've always found that with writing as well. You can kind of be completely free about it and do like kind of free writing mm-hmm. and uh, get stuff down that you're really happy with. And really, you just, it's, that's so easy sometimes it just comes out. But then sometimes you want to be the complete opposite and yeah. edit so keep editing at like over and over and over and yeah uh and that's works as well so uh do it whichever way whichever way you like everybody yeah <laughs> i think dumb little kid like that, that one was just about like i feel like that song that like when he when he cause he wrote the chorus for it uh he wrote the chorus you know i'm a dumb little kid you had a wise old man like from that i was like that was where me and him like really connected, you know. Because I understood what he was saying. Like he, he is very wise, 
but he does dumbass kid shit, which all of us have done. Well, hey, probably still do some sometimes. Like, <laughs> it never goes away. You know, so that, that was something that, you know, me and him just connected. And um, honestly, that was one of my favorite verses that I've ever wrote. Uh, that was one of my favorite verses I've ever written. And it was because I was intentional about the the visual aspect of it. Um, so if you listen to it, um, you know, I, I put myself in this. Um, I'm trying to think of the lyrics now. I can't even think of the lyrics. I have to listen to it. Uh, wow. But like if you listen to the lyrics, like I was trying to I was trying to picture myself as this in like a dark, gloomy like castle, like as like some king that's sitting <laughs> there, but I'm doing it's like I'm a king, but I am also I'm I'm like I'm depressed. And I'm making mistakes. And I, I'm depressed trying- king. Not content. So I had a gloomy feel to it, but I still wanted it to be, you know, powerful. So yeah. when when you're thinking up ideas for songs, it, do they come to you when you actually try and sit down and write, or is it just randomly throughout the day you're suddenly like, oh, that's a good line? Um, or a bit of both. You know, it's hard for me to write without if I'm writing for music sake it's hard for me to write without having the music. So I, I usually will, the words will come to me as I'm producing this song. Oh. I'm, the, I, I, I'm the same as you, man, as well. It's the, they, uh, so, uh, writing lyrics is fun. The, pro, the, with the thing with music that I find the, the hardest, you know, because it, mm-hmm. uh, it's even, it's, it's hard to even write a bad song. Like, you know, like it's, when you sit down and say you're playing the piano or making your beats or, or whatever, then the kind of the words can kind of float into their head because you're not thinking about it so much. I mean, when I, when I, some, sometimes when I'm writing a song, it kind of depends on like where I'm at in life. So when I was writing, like, so the, the project that Liam really likes, the greatest hits, the first greatest hits, like, Mm-hmm. That's the one I gotta find them tracks. They're somewhere on a hard drive. Uh, yeah, I've got them on a broken hard drive as well, man. It's, uh... You know, when I, when I first, when me and Akil first made those song, like those beats are the most out of the box beats I've ever made. They're the, the, my favorite stuff you've ever done as well, man. They are so sick. And I went back. You know, and, they're lost on hard drives. I know. And when I when Thank I went back, listeners, well, maybe we'll find them one day. Maybe yeah, we'll yeah. get to hear. When them. you come back, uh, when you find them, you can come back on. <laughs> I'm like, wow! Like I was so free during this period of my life. Like, I was truly having fun, and that's why them beats came out the way that they did. Like I was having fun. I wasn't trying to think about structure. I wasn't trying to think about you know any rules to music making. I was just having fun making beats, me and a kill, and that's why they turned out so, so good. So good, man, it's, and it's got its own, like, you, it's, it's got its own artistry to it. It's a unique, it's got a mm-hmm. unique sound. And then I, some, like, I started taking myself too serious after that. Yeah. I, came back from the, from, I came back from Europe, and, you know, I was, I, I went into depression after I came back, because, I, I I literally I was gonna stay in in, in in Europe. I was gonna stay at the warehouse with, with Liam and them. I remember Liam was like, "Oh yeah, man, you can stay." I was like, <laughs> yeah, you can stay for free, man. Yeah. I was literally going to stay there. 
Um, but something brought me back here, and I don't regret it anymore because I've learned a lot in between that time. And at first, I was regretting it a lot. I was in a bad, I was in a bad relationship at the time. You know, I'm like, oh, damn, like fuck, I'm back here in America in a shitty relationship. Still don't know what the fuck I want to do. You know, I want to make music, but you know, so I started taking myself way too serious, and that's when my music. I still made good beats, but they were always too in the box for me. Like I listened to them, and I'm like, yeah, this is good, but this sounds like something that's already been made before. And I, but I kept doing that to myself, like making things where I'd be like, oh, this is nice, but this is a good beat. I get the feeling, I got out the feeling, I, but it's not. It's still too in the box. Did you become very self-critical then? Um, I became very self-critical, and that's and I, and it kind of and it ruined music for me. It ruined music for me. So like over the last, I am I'm becoming more insp- inspired more recently. Um, that's good because I've been doing work to try to be less critical and, and to just be like just like just be, um, and it's been helping. You know, I've been having more fun lately, but I just haven't gotten back to the music yet. But you know, it it it'll, it'll come. I you know, I, I really want to make. I really want to like score film, honestly. Like that's like that's, that's my my dream is a score film, not necessarily make music. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not interested in performing myself, which is why rapping or you know putting my voice on a track really doesn't. It's like oh, I could do that, but I'm inter- I'm more interested in like the the, the music and you know scoring film because I, I see the images. Like what sort of films um, inspire you when you see them to and you think oh that would be good music to. What genre of film? Um, I'm gonna make some films. You can fucking yeah. score my <laughs> films, man. That's what you should do. Yeah, that's a hard question because first, I'm not like a film kid, so I don't really know. Like, probably not horror. Or can you imagine like action, or do you bit something a bit more chilled, or like a comedy? Do you think? Or action would be rabbit. Like action would be. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do. You wouldn't want to do action, would you? You'd no, want to do. I probably want to do like drama or like maybe like some comedy or like concept some conceptual films like uh, uh, I don't know that's that's, that's a hard one. I, I, so I I've got some 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 films that have like my favorite soundtracks too. Like uh, I really like uh, There Will Be Blood. It's got a soundtrack composed by the geezer from Radiohead. Oh, and that's York. really good, and you can tell that he's just been shown the film, and he's he's scored like the most perfect music for the scenes, as all these dramatic things that happen, yeah, explosions and fire and stuff, and the music works really perfectly. I I always thought that would be like yeah, a really fun thing to, to do to be giving a piece of film and then compose the music for it, you know. Dramas, romantic films, um, pornography. <laughs> That'd be some fun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just some quick ones before before I let you go. Uh, who are some like hip hop artists or any kind of genre of artists that you're aware of that people should check out? Whether that's uh, people you know or just people that inspire you. So I'll, I'll, I'll name, there's three artists here locally that I think people should check out. Um, Destiny Roberts. Destiny Roberts makes really dope music, uh, local rapper and producer. 
um, kind of, you know, a renaissance woman. Like she does, she does it all, you know, visual artist, photographer, um, but makes really dope music. I like her sound a lot. Um, there's another artist, uh, her name is Dua. Um, D-A-S-A-L-E-H, I believe. Uh, but I, I like her music a lot as well. Like she is, she, man, her, her, I like her writing a lot. I like her writing. She's a really good writer and she's really creative. And she has this, sometimes she has this, like this, this dark, real, uh, it's, it's, it's dark, but it's sexy, but it's not, it's like not explicitly sexy. And it's like, she's pushing boundaries in her music. Um, it's kind of grimy too sometimes. I like that. Uh, who else? And then, um, there's an artist called uh, her name is uh, Dizzy Faye here locally. I mean, she makes really dope music. Um, I like her a lot, and she's an excellent performer as well. All three of these artists, they, they, they both all perform really well too. Um, but they're all just doing their own thing, like that. They, they, they each have their own lane. Yeah. Um, I really like that about them. Who else? There's a group here called Empire X Music. Uh, some cats who grew up in the same part of the city as me, North Minneapolis. Um, I really like their energy. Um, their group, they kind of give you that uh, kind of 21st century Wu-Tang feel. Nice, nice. Oh, and there's another, uh, L.A. L.A. Buckner. L.A. Buckner. Yeah, Arthur Buckner, but L.A. Buckner. He's, oh, he's a drummer I was mentioning earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, super dope. Um, he dropped the project on Apple Music recently this year. Really dope. Um, so I started. The uh, reason I put urbanism in there is because so I have, I'm doing real commercial real estate development and, and urban planning. So I wound up going back to grad school and get my degree in urban planning. Um, so I, I launched a uh, real estate and planning firm uh, with a partner of mine called Neo Partners. N E O O Partners. Um, so that's what I, that's what I've been doing. Uh, that's that's another passion of mine you know, outside of you know music, music and artistry. Um, I, mean, I I think of you know my planning is another art for me. You know I you're like riding the plane and then you know you look out the plane window and you see you know you look down on the city and it looks like a piece of work, work of art like that that's that's planning that's planning. Um, but yeah, I mean they can check, check me out neopartners.com. If you want to see my professional, <laughs> your professional side of me, um, that's the, you know, power is the new trick. My ain't really much on Instagram. It's like, but I'm there. If you want to reach out. Uh, cool, man. Well, stay in touch. Uh, let us know when you've got other music out and uh, we can do this again. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Cheers, man. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening and thank you to Denitrick and Liam for joining me. Go check out newpartners.com for some urban planning goodness. And if you're in the mood for some hip-hop, check out Domatic and Powers online at soundcloud.com forward slash Domatic Powers. This is Superpowers with Snappy.
Rest Squad. Gentlemen rise, the rest lie. It's time to suit up, bring me my best tie. On my J-O-B, but I'm the CEO. See all this weight on me? I'm trying to eat some more. I got a feeble foe, my mom and sis and bro. And they got five more, my niece and nephew. So I got to turn this box into a glow. Behold, heaven's gates, this north side. Where rock stars get twisted up by lock stars. Sing corsai, it's my baby cheering. It's time to pass the game on to the young. We bought our cheering. We raising business owners, lawyers, doctors. Can y'all feel it? And still we live in ghetto fab and know them people fear it But let's just clear it Every myth is stereotype that we know ain't right None of us was born to be bad, we just weren't treated right Anybody born in the dark will grow to see the light Hey young man, you got stories, I got stories too Say you angry, well let's talk about what worries you And when it's over we can talk about the glory too All the greatest things way bigger than me and you Leaving legacies behind and make ancestors proud When we lapping in the heavens, there's a chocolate time My great-granddaughter's the mayor, so my prayer sign Yes, this life is just a circle and my crown is round Because driving the hoopty His mama sitting shy And she's chasing after money So she can feed her grandson My family all around Keep it tighter than your cornrows And I'm super slick the way I'm greasing elbows But hell knows If it ain't for the community Then hell no To give up my immunity is death row Cause I know that these people using me But guess low Cause now my price is off the charts I'm calling shots, I'm closing blocks We piled up then shut it down You feel that love that's going round? Yeah, let that sunlight kiss you on that brown Let your wisdom shine when it go down let nobody look down on your crown. Make them suckers pay when they come round. But let your brother eat when he in need. And let your sister shine, cause she a queen. We gotta show our love through loyalty. As long as you're loving you, you loving me. 